You're listening to the Julie Pendleton Interviews. Very pleased to introduce to you David Cook, who has written a musical called War War, the Geordie, W-O-R, War. Hello, David. Hello there. Thank you very much for having me. As you can tell, David is an actor <laughs> and a singer, and we've known each other for many years, haven't many, we? Many, many, many years. Yes. Um, it was Macbeth. Was it indeed? Yeah, could you, have been. You yeah, weren't in the yeah. book, or were you? I was in the book. Oh, well, yeah. I met you then, then. That was yes, 1997. Yeah. But the following year, you were Banco's ghost, weren't you? I was indeed. It was a great role, that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a photograph, which I only found a few weeks ago, when I was searching for something, of you in the costume where you'd had your throat cut, <laughs> and I'm dressed as a witch standing next to you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you'd have to let I'll me dig see it that out. sometime. Yeah, I'll dig I'd it love out. that, yeah. But we're not here to talk about opera at the no. moment, are we? It's no. your new show. That's right. War War. And you quite correctly said um, the Geordie pronunciation of our war. Uh, it wasn't a title I was particularly keen on, but I, I do some work with the lunch club. I cook the main, main meal Where's on a lunch club at the People's Mission in South Shields. And we have about 36 people who come uh, twice a month for their lunch. And I prepare it with some people who help me. Are you a good cook? Um, well, well, you have got the name Cook, haven't you? I've got you? the name Cook, and uh, I can rustle up quite a good sausage casserole or a chicken pie or minced dumplings, it's that sort of thing. So have you do. got helpers? I've got helpers, yeah. I've got people who do all the other stuff and the puddings. Uh-huh. And for three quid, they get a really good meal. So I went in one day and I said, look, I've got six possible titles for a show that I'm writing about uh, the Second World War. And they all they, they had an opportunity to look at the titles. It was things like We'll Meet Again, you know, that sort of thing. Nana, what did you do in the war? Or Dad, what did you do in the war? And War War was one of them. And they all wanted War War. I think it's perfect. So that was it. It was chosen. And I was relieved. It wasn't my first choice, but I was relieved to have a title uh, and to get cracking on all the work that we had to do mm-hmm. in order to get it off the ground. Which so was, what's it about, David? Well, um, it was very interesting that Pam said that, her, I think it was her uncle, never talked about the war. And I was born in 1951. So 51 to 61, formative years. And rationing would still be in place. Rationing, and there was bomb buildings all over the place where I lived in the the, the back streets of South Shields. Mm-hmm. The war was never, ever mentioned. Never mentioned. My parents never talked about it. My relatives, aunties, uncles, grandmother, Dana, never mentioned the war. It was like they'd put it behind them, they got through it, and things were going to be different for the kids. When things are tough, people don't talk about it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And I learned a lot, a lot later that that war had a tremendous impact on my family. My grandmother, who I absolutely adored, uh, killed herself. Uh, she would be about in her 60s. And she did that. Um, I didn't know she had committed suicide. I knew she died. I was only 11 at the time when it happened. Um, and uh, I, later, I said to my mother, you know, a few days after Nana Cook died, a little boy stopped me in the street and said, your Nana killed herself. And my mother said, yes. And I said, then for the next three months, I hunted, searched the house until I found the death certificate, which is a bit morbid, but I had to know the truth. You were just curious, weren't And were uh, I found out that she had, in fact, taken her own life. Um, so my mother then told me the story that her husband and her oldest son, Ronnie, were killed in an air raid in South Shields. Um, 
So bad was the destruction and devastation that night that her husband was identified only by his boots. Um, and it had a major effect on her. She, she never got over the trauma of that night and the aftermath of it. Uh, and eventually it became too much for her to bear. And she, she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So I then started to ask questions about my parents' role in the war. My dad was at sea in the Indian Ocean. Oh, it was a lovely time, he said. I just sailed around. The I didn't believe a word of it. Mm. Um, um, they were married during the war. So you know, a tremendous lot of, uh, uh, lots of things happened uh, that affected my family. And, and I, I thought, I want to write about this. I want to do something. Now, at the same time, I'd been in a play with some chaps. Um, we were doing a version of Henry V set in World War One. It was part of the World War One celebrations. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we were all soldiers returning from the front, many of us shell-shocked in a very bad way. And one of the nurses in the hospital said, why don't you put on a production? And we put on a production of Henry V. It's a very, very um, uh, shortened version of Shakespeare's play. But it really got me thinking about war stories, about the, the need to remember my grandfather and my uncle and all the other grandfathers and fathers and uncles and aunts uh, and to start doing some research and to write my own story mm -hmm. uh, which eventually became War War. But you've written plays before haven't you? Yeah this is the fifth musical play I've written straight plays as well I wrote a funny one uh, which I'm hoping to bring out on tour again next year called uh, All Together Like the Folks of Shields which is quite oh. a funny story um, but I wrote Dance to Your Daddy, Dance Across the Time, a story called The Rock. And last year, we had a great um, time with uh, The Day Muhammad Ali Came to South Shields. Oh, yes. Which was great fun. We had a lovely mm -hmm. time doing that. And, it, you know, it dealt with all sorts of issues. It was set in 1977. It dealt with racism. It obviously dealt with uh, Muhammad Ali's visit. Um, the impact that that had on, on the town, on the Yemeni community who hosted his blessing in the first newly built mosque in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and around that visit, we were able to build a story that involved racial tensions, involved... Um, I, we even had a, a, one of the characters was gay, and he was struggling against the opposition that he had from his family, and particularly his father. So we brought in lots of issues with a lot of humour as well. It was, there were some very, very funny moments. And that's what we've tried to do with War War, because people didn't go around all the time, glum-faced and crying. Oh, no. they, um, they had a good laugh as well. And that's one of the major conflicts that the play tries to deal with, this how do I behave in the war when my brothers and sisters mm -hmm. and uncles and father are out there fighting? for us and for their lives so it's, uh... well my mum all she did was go to dances <laughs> and there was one particular dance at the old assembly rooms in Newcastle they couldn't get tickets for and she was very very dark and her sister was very vivacious and blonde and they decided or the sister who was blonde decided they would climb up the fire escape <laughs> Right. So my mum was very shy and always in Ivy's shadow a bit. And she said, it'll be all right. Well, what we're going to do with our coats? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So they climbed up the fire escape. They got through the, wind, the open window. And then they took their coats off and hid them behind the big curtains. <laughs> right, and they yeah. had a fantastic night. But they enjoyed themselves. And the lads that were on leave in Newcastle wanted to enjoy themselves as well. Mm. They had a wonderful yeah. time. Yeah. Because they didn't know if it was going to be their last. 
Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you know that the, the spirit of the people at the time was one one of the things I wanted to capture. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to be able to say, well, you know, are we supposed to be behaving like this? You know, and, and it was interesting. I discovered when I started researching the play or doing research for the play that I knew very little about the actual facts of the beginning of the war, because it uh, it starts about. It starts about um, the middle of 1939 and it ends on October the 2nd, 1941, when there was an absolutely devastating air raid on my hometown. But in that year, there were huge um, air raids across the whole of the north of England, affecting Newcastle, major devastation, North Shields, the lemonade factory was bombed, terrible loss of life. Where was that? That was in, in North Shields itself. Oh, right. They what well, they had created um, a big shelter uh, underneath the lemonade factory, and it took a direct hit. No. Um, and I think it was it was uh, well over a hundred people. And there is a list uh, that I was reading of the people who died, and you know we are talking about four and five year olds. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely shocking. In South Shields, on that night alone, a thousand people were made homeless. Sixty three people died. Um, it was a terrible night. It was the worst night of the war for. So why the were they targeting time. South Shields particularly? They well, South Shields was um, a big port area, um, coal mining area, shipbuilding area. But the story is that their their um, objective that night, the German objective that night, was the bridge at Newcastle. That's what they were aiming for. Now, if you come across, if you fly across Shields. Um, you will see a very small version of that bridge on River Drive. It's very small, um, but it's believed that they mistook that bridge for Newcastle Bridge, and they started bombing around it. So because it hit the marketplace, it's all the, the streets around the centre of the town, yeah. um, and into the along the coast towards Benz Park and the, towards the Leases. So mm-hmm. that's the theory. Um, that's the belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was in May of that year that North Shields took its biggest hit. But Newcastle itself, there's tremendous um, records of the, the number of bombings that happened in Newcastle as well. So mm-hmm. it was a, mm-hmm. a terrifying time for, mm-hmm. for folks. And so I had to do lots of research to get mm-hmm. real stories mm-hmm. and real facts mm-hmm. uh, about what was going on. And then put those facts and those stories, build them into the lives of the Taylor family, mm-hmm. who the, the story focuses on. Because uh-huh. um, I did lots of interviews with people to, to find out, to get their stories. People in their 90s now, oh. um, and who were able to give me actual, real uh, accounts of what their lives were like. So was that at the lunch club? That you no, got no, that was all over. I, I put no? out ads in uh, places like Facebook and the local paper, uh, word of mouth. Um, a chap came back to me and says, you need to speak to my grandma, my, no, it was his mother, my mother, Amy Jago. I said, right, why? She t- lied about her age to get into the war, to get into the army. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw Amy. She was an amazing 94-year-old lady who mm-hmm. we spent an hour together. She talked me through what she'd done. She said, I worked in Smith's furniture shop, and I didn't like it. You know, we had a decant from there to the to his house in Lyle Road because we're bombing around there. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't like it. And everybody who came back, the girls came back, and they said they were having a wonderful time. So I went, she said, I went, and I, uh, I said, um, she said, you had to be 17 and a half, and I was only 17, but I didn't tell them and they took me on. She eventually became a sergeant. She worked in an anti-aircraft battery. 
she was with a number of uh, young girls, young women, who um, did the various calculations for the elevation of the gun, the trajectory, you know, the distance to be fired and so on. Mm -hmm. But the strangest thing was, uh, as we were coming to the end of the talk, uh, the, the interview that I did with her, I said, so did you ever shoot anybody down? Oh, she said, no, no, we never did. She, oh, she said, I wouldn't have liked that. I said, why not? She said, well, it would have been some, some mother's son that I'd killed. And I thought, there you go, there's the conflict that you have. That, uh, mm. Here were people coming across to bomb the bits out of our country. Mm. And here was a young girl who was concerned about the young lads who would be, who would be dying if they were to shoot the planes down. So I did. All is fair in love and war. Yeah. You haven't got a choice. It's and she didn't. Kill you know, or be she, killed, isn't yeah, it? So yes. that was the thing. But to come back into Civvy Street after all of that, it must have took some effort to settle. I mean, my dad was called up on the 3rd of September. He mm. was in Lowfell Co-op. He had a queue of people, but he was in the Territorial Army. And him and his three brothers had all joined the Terriers because they were after this fabulous car that was in a garage in <laughs> Lowfell with white wall tyres and a running board. And mm. it was an open tourer. At the end of the war, the car was still there because no one was in a position to buy it. So the four lads were going to get the money, which was called a bounty, and they were going to use it uh, to buy this car. But the war happened, and because they were trained, they were the first ones called up. Yes. So Dad took his apron off in Lowfell Co-op, put it down, and they said, this woman said, well, I need my groceries, and she said, I'm really sorry, I'm off to war. And he went immediately, <laughs> yeah. but he didn't get sent abroad for many years. He didn't go until the North Africa campaign because I think this country was in threat of being invaded. Yeah, until the Battle yeah. of Britain, which turned the tide, yeah. and they had to have the lads who were trained to defend the country. Mm. And they were sent down into Wiltshire, Salisbury Plain, and he said all the signs were taken down. People used to get lost all the time, unless you were local, because when they expected the invasion all the time, yeah. if they came, the Germans came, they knew then they would just get lost and it would just sort of give them a bit of time, the mm. dug trenches, mm. the trains. And then he was stationed um, quite often over at Hellfire Corner in um, Kent. Right. And that was where the German big guns in France could fire across the channel oh, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, hit yeah, yeah. England. And um, they were walking along the road this night and uh, it was in the blackout and this big car pulled up and they said, do you lads want a lift? Where are you going? And it was Charles Lawton. Oh, really? The film star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he took them where they needed to go. Yeah. And Dad often used to sing in the Lee's Cliff Hall uh, in the Sunday night concerts, which were all people who were in all the forces would come mm. together and give their talents. And he said it was the finest place he ever sang. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've got a copy of the programme. That's uh, not the way he sang when he sang, but a program. Yeah. I've got a photocopy of it, and he'd say, "Julie, he had a wonderful tenor voice." He said, "The vo the voice is to just come out and just hit this bar across aces." You know, it was amazing. Mm. And when I looked at the program, there was people uh, playing the violin, play people playing the piano, and my dad was one of them that used to get up and sing as well. <laughs> Another a woman that I interviewed, Helen Hillcourt, her was, her, she had an amazing story as well because she, um, 
At the age of 15, she was modelling Model. minks in Harrods, and she hated the job. And then wigs. she Mink coats. <laughs> said wigs. Not the thing to do today. <laughs> no, and then no. after it, she'd have to go and uh, stitch up hems, and she, she said it was a terrible job, but she was always a good singer and dancer. Then she went across, um, when she was very young, when she was 13, she'd got a, a, a role in a panto in Morecambe. So when she got a hold of the copy of the stage, the actor's newspaper, mm-hmm. she saw on page 17 an, um, a series of auditions for Ensa, yeah. which, you know, the, the unkind people say every night something awful. The kind people know that it's the Entertainment National Service Association. Mm-hmm. And they were auditioning um, in the Theatre Royal Jury Lane, mm-hmm. and she went along, and she was 15, um, they found out she was 15, so they wouldn't take her. So she went back a month later with a very slinky, sneak black dress on, determined to tell that her, another one telling, telling fibs about her age, mm-hmm. but they never asked her. Uh, Dame Lillian Braithwaite was the person who was carrying out the auditions. They picked her, and she, she was, uh, this is all at the age of 15, she was taken on with the Victory Six, six people. There was a, I think there was a conjurer, three musicians, and she was a singer-dancer. And they toured the country throughout the war, um, and she met all sorts of people, um, and, and had a, she had a wonderful war as well. Mm-hmm. So I had to have her in my story. Oh, she's in the story. She's in the story. So this little uh, cameo of her is it? Yes, yes. We built her. Uh, there's a character called Dolly who's desperate to do her bit, and eventually she finds this uh, possibility of an audition, and she travels down to London, and she joins the Victory Six, and we have a big moment towards the end of Act Two where she sings her song. Um, I think she says uh, at the beginning, as a child, I believed that girls like me could not perform. And she sings about joining this family of six people or five people and herself and travelling the country and singing and dancing in Rill and Cardiff and Clacton by the Sea. And she has a a great time. And it's a a showstopper. The... I've got to say that because my granddaughter, who plays the part of Dolly. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Lovely voice. Absolutely gorgeous voice. She's got a lovely voice, no doubt about it. I think one of the most poignant parts of it, and there are a number, as you can imagine, in a, in a wartime musical, mm-hmm. uh, the family are gathered to gra- around waiting to hear Neville, Neville Chamberlain, the Prime Minister's, uh, announcement about the declaration of war mm-hmm. um, on the 3rd of September at 11 o'clock, I think it was. Mm-hmm. There's a stunned silence at the end of it because here we are again. They'd just been talking about what H.G. Wells had said after the Great War. He said they, this was a war to end all wars. Mm. And of course it wasn't. No. Um, and so they're stunned. It and started they the next one basically, didn't it? It did. It, I think that the defeat that the Germans suffered in... Um, you know, the, the, the 1418 war had major repercussions, not just for um, all the, everything that led to the Second World mm-hmm. War, but for the persecution of the Jews in mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely nightmarish yeah. period of time. Yeah. And they yeah, had to blame somebody, and they had to have a good reason for doing what they wanted to do, and Hitler came along, and he gave them all the inspiration. And he was treated like a film star. You know, the women would, would, would run after his car, lauding him as he would somebody from Hollywood. And thank you again, David. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Julie Pendleton, Sunday, 2 till 4pm on Nova Radio Northeast. You're listening to the Julie Pendleton Interviews. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, subscribe, leave us a review of some description. 
Let us know what you think. There's a new episode twice a week, usually a Monday and a Thursday, that you can find right here on tinyurl.com slash jpinova. Uh, you can hear Julie Pendleton on Nova Radio Northeast 102.5 in Tyneside and online at www.novaradio.co.uk on a Sunday afternoon between 2pm and 4pm. music used in this podcast is called Winter Sun and it's by a very nice fella from Nordensound.com and it's used under the Creative Commons license with full attribution and full credits given on the website for the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll see you again soon. (laughs) 